0: Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema. For your free thirty-day trial, go to mubi.com/filmstage. back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for the TheFilmStage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. Do you guys notice how that song kind of sounds like Blue by FL65 a little bit? I don't know what that
1: is. You know, the blue, da-da-dee-da-dee-da. Da, da, da. It's kind of the same melody. It's 2001,
0: <laughs> and we're back here with you fine folks <laughs> talking about Blue from Eiffel 65.
2: Jesus,
0: that other voice is uh, Bill Graham, who has a cold. Woo, woo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right, it's going to be a great show. Um, with us today, we actually have a special guest to help us talk about High Life, the newest film from Claire. We're going
2: to need help. <laughs>
0: And that is Lawrence Neil-Garcia. Hello. Hello,
3: Lawrence. How are you today? I'm pretty good, yeah. Excited to talk about Claire Denis. Outstanding.
0: Why don't you introduce yourself to the uh, folks at home? Tell them a little bit about yourself.
3: Um, so I'm just a freelance film critic based in Vancouver, uh, B.C. Um, write for I've written for Cinemascope movie... The A.B. Club and some other places. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: All right. Excellent. And as I said, we are all here today to talk about High Life, the newest film from director Claire Denis. This movie stars Robert Pattinson, Juliette Binoche, and Andre Benjamin, amongst many others. Before we get into that, the usual upfront stuff, uh, we can be found on Twitter at FilmStage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show, email us, com. Go on iTunes. Give us a comment and rating. And um, wait, I need to correct something about iTunes. I found out today.
1: Did uh-oh. you guys hear that Apple is jettisoning, or they they are losing the iTunes moniker and are just going to be known as Apple Podcasts? <laughs> huh. Okay, so I don't
2: know what that what that
0: does. iTunes is not
1: going to exist anymore
0: (laughs) because because they have Apple Music. Yes, and now Apple TV and Apple Movies. Yes, so now they're just going to have Apple podcasts.
3: Yeah, Yeah, that sort of makes sense. I guess that
0: cleans it up a bit. Um, what? Just do whatever you got to (laughs) do. Find out, however, you leave a rating on a podcast so that everyone can see it. And, um, and, and, uh, and do that for us. Uh, only if it's five stars and, um, of course go to patreon.com slash the film stage show to give us your money, get access to our super cool Slack channel. And of course, uh, be entered to win raffles and great stuff and help us to produce more wonderful episodes talking about classic films and, uh, other stuff. And I think that that is it. Of course, we are, as always brought to you by Movie. The online streaming cinema where every day their gregarious curators bring you a brand new film to watch and enjoy. They've got a bunch of great stuff going on, including, most germane to this episode, their What is an Auteur series. And there are presently two films from Claire Denis that you can see on there right now. Bastards and White Material. Have any of us watched any of these yet? Yes, both of them. And what is your recommendation, Michael?
1: Uh, definitely Bastards. White material is kind of odd because it's, it, it's very much about colonialism from the perspective of the privileged. And I just don't think it ever successfully decenters uh, from a white protagonist to uh, do the story in an effective way.
0: All right. There's another thing that I want to uh, highlight. <clears throat> it's called The Unusual Suspects or Subjects. The Unusual Subjects. And um, it is a series of documentaries that they're going to be showing. The first two up presently are Project Nim, which is about a bunch of researchers raising a chimpanzee. And
2: oh, that's a good one. That's a classic. That
0: is a classic. Another one that I have not heard of before but sounds interesting is Pressing on colon the letterpress film, and it's uh, about people who uh, le- are letterpressers. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a a
1: sad place to be that's a bad industry to be in and at the moment unfortunately (laughs)
0: yeah it's about people like you know the older people who used to do it and younger people who are trying to preserve the uh the traditional process so that sounds super cool exactly the type of thing that i would be interested in (laughs) as a man who collects typewriters um so yeah that's all on movie for your free 30-day trial of movie go to mubi.com slash filmstage. what is your prize typewriter brian oh Christ, I don't know. Let me look around at them. <laughs> I've got a Remington Premier portable that's really can, cool. Looking. Can you
2: can you just give us some keys, man? Give us some keys. I
0: <laughs> I I can't reach from my desk, and that's that's a lot of work to do. I also have a Royal portable that I really like, and uh, a Royal and an Underwood desktop, which are are very nice as well. I don't. know. I like all my typewriters. <laughs> Fine, don't. Don't kill your darlings and pick one. I I if I had to pick one. one, I would go with the Royal Portable. It is a Classic. quiet deluxe. Classic. It's uh it's super cool. It's got really nice. It's like a it's like imagine if Mad Men like the first two seasons got turned into a typewriter.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Super. cool. So you actually do have a typewriter collection?
0: Oh yeah, I've got I don't know, seven typewriters. That oh, wow. <laughs> one. It's a it's a problem I have. Anyway, uh, so we're here to talk about my typewriter collection. <laughs> There's a story with every one of them. Uh let's uh let's let's get to the real reason that we're here. We're here to talk High Life, again, the newest film from uh, writer director Claire Denis. This uh, movie was also co-written by Jean-Paul Farjou, I believe is how that is said. I do not know. Regular collaborator. Correct. And uh, Jeff Cox. Um, and then, of course, uh, someone named Nick Laird is down as consultant. So I don't know what to make of that. Maybe someone knows. Maybe they don't. Maybe it'll be a mystery. At but, one point, Zadie Smith as well,
1: the uh, well-known author, was uh, set to co-write this.
0: The, uh, she she wrote White Teeth, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, I hated that book. Um <laughs> Excellent!
2: Firing on all cylinders today.
0: I uh, I actually want to give I want to I want to give her stuff more shots. I think I read a short story of hers that I really liked, so it might just be first book jitters. But um, yeah, interesting. So we are here to talk about this film again. It stars Robert Pattinson, Juliette Binoche, uh, Mia Goth, and of course Andre Benjamin. I I keep trying I keep trying to do this thing where I don't call people by like their former stage names that they seem to be trying to move away from. Um, Sure. So I keep struggling with that, especially whenever I see a movie that stars Dwayne the Rock Johnson.
1: But like Andre 3000 is so much
0: fun to say. That's such a good name. It's it's, it's such a good name. (laughs) But anyway, it's Andre Benjamin. And (sighs) here is the trailer.
3: She's mine. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh.
3: mm-hmm. yep. we were scum. Trash.
0: all right, right. so that was part of it. the trailer for high life this movie stars Robert pattinson as a man in a space station alone raising a child and uh is the story of how they came to be there what their purpose is and uh Yeah, it's about as specific as I'm willing to get. So, here we are to talk about it. I want to begin by asking everyone, "What is your familiarity with the oeuvre of Claire Denis?"
3: Um, Lawrence, you are a guest. Oh, um, so I've seen, I've seen Bastards. I've seen Boitrovi. Thirty-five shots of rum. I don't think I don't consider myself like a Denis expert or anything, but I seen enough to i've seen uh the intruder as well It's probably the most confounding film of hers um but that's about it so far and i would consider myself like a, a cautious fan like i love bochevai 35 shots of rum and um bastards are all are both quite good all right yeah Excellent. that's
0: yeah phil graham
3: uh i have
2: seen one of her films i'll let you guess which one that is it's this one. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't seen any of her films. Um, this one came in with a lot of hype, and so I was really excited about it. Um, I think she's got another film that's coming out shortly after this one, if I'm correct. Um, and so, yeah, uh, this is it. This is this is it, guys. This is a uh, spoilers. It's a rough introduction. <laughs>
0: Okay, so I, I decided to look it up because you said that, and I was curious. Um, Rotterdam, I Love You. Another one of those? Yeah, and they're
2: apparently at oh, Rotterdam well, wait, so they're clearly running out mean, of options. What do you mean another one of those? So you, you know how there was
0: like... Paris tem and like new york i love you it's like
2: oh, rio de janeiro
0: oh, i love you
1: There's i didn't even-
2: realize that's what that was <laughs> okay yeah. i got it now yeah so they're, no, they're really, an anthology, and they right? all they all start yes. kiera knightley somehow <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's those weird anthology films where they just get like a bunch of uh a bunch of directors to like make short films that take place within these cities cannot wait for a new work i love you <laughs> that's what we call a callback anyway um <laughs> michael Snydell.
1: yeah no i um since i i, I saw chuck a lot back in uh college and that was something i almost had no idea what to do with i was also with just a terrible audience. But, um, of, That's not the one with Johnny Depp, right? It is not. No, it, it's no. But uh, it is
0: the one with Juliette Binoche? It is.
1: Yes. It is also about colonialism, like uh, white material. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have seen now about uh, almost a dozen of her films. Um, I really like, um, and, and I'm not. I, I'm not a devotee, but there are certain films of hers I really love, especially Friday Night um and uh bastards and trouble every day um and then i at least have admiration for a number of stuff including this one which is it's her second english language film kind of and it's truly bizarre that it was released as in as many theaters as it was
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so you know i i chose the uh sequence of people on purpose because we had someone who's familiar Someone who's not familiar. Someone who's familiar, and I am not familiar. I have seen Chocolat, but it's the Lassie Hallstrom one, which, again, (laughs) while it does star Juliette Binoche, it's not directed by Claire Denis. It was so weird for me, though, because I was super excited for this film because I was under the impression that I'd seen a bunch of Claire Denis movies. (laughs) (laughs) And then I looked her up and I was like, oh, I haven't seen any of these. Who was I thinking of? And I still don't have an answer to that, so my brain just uh, short circuited on me and lied to me, and uh, I apologize for that. So this is uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how our opinions track with our familiarity uh, with Claire Denis,
3: and we um, are that-
0: professionals.
3: <laughs> Lawrence, what you, you mentioning trouble? Say? Sorry, you mentioning trouble every day made me realize that I had seen that as well and it is probably quite relevant to this one but i'd also seen let the sunshine in from last year i think yes. is when it came out and i don't know if you'd seen us go home michael no i haven't had a chance to see that one is that a, another one of her documentaries no it's um it was 1994 it was like part of the that series that cold water and wild reeds came out of so it's just oh, an hour wow. long it's it's basically an hour long party film it's it's amazing That I would probably consider top-tier Denis as well. So it's like Denis' Project X. (laughs) I haven't seen Project X, but perhaps.
0: (laughs) I haven't seen it either, but I remember the trailer. Um, So yeah, uh, (laughs) it'll be interesting (laughs) to see how our our opinions sync up. So let's get into High Life. Uh, Of course, we begin with our basic spoiler-free thoughts before moving into spoilers. So, Lawrence, why don't you kick us off and tell us... Your nutshell thoughts on high life
3: uh, nutshell thoughts without spoilers, I guess for the first section, all you see is Robert Pattinson and this baby and um like the first section is just him going about his duties he he's on the spaceship he's seemingly alone. there are a bunch of corpses that he. It's okay to say that, right? Like it's in the first like 10 minutes or so. Yeah, I think so. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's in the title card. So I think Um, he dispatches a bunch of corpses out of the spaceship and we sort of move backwards and see how they got there, who these people are. And it's basically, how did he get to this point with this baby in a spaceship floating towards this black hole? Um, There's some sort of mission as well. The mission is to harness the energy of the black hole. But at first, we don't really know why these people were selected um nutshell thoughts is are that um it's pretty much of a piece with denise sort of interests she's very interested in bodies in like in like this intertwining of like sex and death and um you see all that here although the treatment is within the sci-fi framework and so it's um different than what she's done before um yeah don't really uh have more than that right now maybe we can bounce off of each other
0: absolutely so i'm just i had to get like i don't want to like narrow it down to like a a number or something but like are you
3: generally positive on this in the oh i'm like, quite sit- quite negative i think i i i've been anticipating this movie ever since it was rumor for can and then it didn't show up and then it showed up later in the year and then it showed up to toronto where i wasn't there but basically I've been excited for this movie for quite some time but I was actually rather disappointed with it and I think and I don't know that it's really I mean obviously expectations factor into that but um, there is something that I think is different about this film than the previous ones that I've seen Um, I think for people who are familiar with her work it's very they often find it very quote-unquote difficult in the sense that it's for a while you're sort of unmoored and you don't really know what to make of it because her style is so elliptical. Whereas here, I don't really think that's the case. I think here you, like looking back at, like reflecting on the film, you can piece together the narrative fairly clearly and it's a fairly straightforward one. I mean, there's like strange things, I suppose, but the the narrative is fairly easily pieced together, um, which I think is distinct from something like The Intruder where, I still have no idea what's going on in that movie until I see it again. I don't know if that's similar to your experience.
0: Well, let's find out.
2: Bill Graham. Woo. Okay. Um, Yeah. So from from the outset, I didn't really enjoy this movie. Um, I didn't know what to make of it. This is the first uh, Claire Denis film that I had seen. And – I hadn't read any reviews. All I had basically consumed was, um, other people saying that this was going to be good and that this was going to be something to look forward to. And so I looked forward to it and then I saw it and I was like, Oh, okay. Um, nutshell thoughts. Uh, you know, Pattinson's been an interesting actor for a while. I don't think there's any kind of hiding that fact. Um, and, he's he shines here but he's got such a hurdle to kind of go up against that it's it's really difficult because this film is just so obtuse in so many ways that um it struggles to really find like a narrative that you can latch on to at least for me um i enjoyed some of its obtuseness I guess um but that doesn't that was lacking the narrative that I was hoping for uh surrounding it so um I I just really didn't know what to make of this film until I was about I don't know two-thirds of the way through and then then it kind of settled into exactly what I kind of thought it was going to turn into um and so yeah, it it uses almost the crutch of the sci fi narrative, and it doesn't really do anything all that interesting with it. Uh, I like the idea that this is, uh, you know, uh, some kind of grand experiment, but I just, I really feel like they needed to hone in and find a bigger or a better through line to, c- to kind of tie all of this stuff in.
0: All right. Michael Snydell.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think there's an interesting thing in what Bill is saying about the a bigger through because I think that, that that science fiction trappings are um are the uh the most problematic aspect of this. Like I, I think that there is some interesting things we already talked about how this is uh, dealing with some pet themes of bodies and like primal urges. And I think the idea of playing with space madness and what kind of instincts come out when you're in a confined space is a potentially interesting idea. But I think that the the ways that this fragments its own narrative, but not particularly in a a visual way, like it's it's really fascinating to me um, that – you know, the almost like certain, there's certain characters in here who feel more archetypal or more like a fable or something that's not grounded at all. Um, And they are not really treated as far as like the cinematic language in like a very unreal way. Like it's just treated very matter of factly. And so I never really was able to make the make the change. And so I just found a lot of this film very abrasive in how it would get into um, – how it would get into the clash of these uh, bodies to speak <laughs> as scientifically as possible. I, the one thing I will say is that I do like the production design uh, of this and I, I like the aesthetic and the way that this finds an interesting middle ground between like blue-collar space stuff and the more high-tech stuff. Like even the way that there is an emphasis on jugs in the uh you know in in the space infrastructure and the computer has this very like sleek but also lo-fi quality to it. And and I think that the ways that it does try to pare everything down is potentially interesting. But as far as that goes into the narrative, I just don't think – I just don't think that works. And the last thing I'll say is this more than any other Denis film I've seen feels like it runs into some lost in translation qualities in terms of translating the dialogue from French to English. Uh, particularly in relation to one character who is a major movie star and I know – I know does not talk like that in other English language films. So it's – so I, I hope we can kind of talk about how weird and – I'm sorry. How, what a dissonant, awkward experience this is and I, I really do wish that I could see it more as an odd fascination.
0: Michael, would you say that the identity of the person who speaks in a troubled, lost-in-translation manner can, constitutes a spoiler?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm just being careful right now. I mean, we're being, <laughs> we, we haven't really mentioned any,
0: I, I say we save it. <laughs> okay. Curious. Interesting. Um, I like it. It's a good, uh, it's a good hook to keep people listening to the episode. Um, my thoughts, I actually, this is weird because it feels like we're all going to like and dislike this movie for different reasons. Um, <laughs> so that if you we were to chop up our brains, and rearrange them, maybe you'd find people who were wholly (laughs) negative and wholly positive within the, the gray matter. I really liked the first, I don't know, like 20 to 30 minutes of this movie. Um, I was sitting there and like, this is one of those things where maybe like me being a dad plays into it. Cause I, there was something interesting about watching like a single father on on a spaceship, like, like I that have That definitely... baby's also
1: really cute. Like we just need to
0: say. Oh my god! Well, yeah. I mean, we have to have like a whole forty minutes on. Like you can't make a baby act. So like, just the casting director must have looked at like seven thousand babies and then been like, "This one is not only photogenic, but also like has some real good reactions to stuff." Like, I think the baby is
3: actually like the child of a friend of Pattinson's, if I'm not mistaken. It, there's some relation there, but I'm not sure if it's how close
2: it is actually that's that's a really good way of getting around child labor laws and like <laughs> probably the eight hour limit pretty sure they'd still have to like, like
0: they can't just be like no 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 the baby's not an actor the baby, i'm borrowing the baby this is technically babysitting <laughs> yeah but um yeah just like it just, like the way that like they interact is great the the child like is great at, i this is again so weird to like laud a baby for but like Going from crying to, like, placated, you know, in most movies, like, they just have to be, like, we're not going to shoot the face of the child and we're just going to cut the uh, 80-yard baby crying Mm -hmm, noises out.
2: mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: But, like, when this baby is crying and then he hands it a doll, she perks right up and she's like, yeah, that's what I wanted. Give me that doll back which is weird because most times like I can see behind a child's eyes in a movie like, oh, that child wants its literal actual mom and it is not stopping crying because it's still upset that it's in front of the camera under these lights. Um. Anyway, what I was saying is like I there was something kind of charming about because like there nobody been can days hear
2: you scream in space
0: <laughs> in space. No one can hear your baby crying <laughs> as you try to like do a uh, sleep training. Um. What was I going to say? Just the way that the movie was putting across, like, this very strange situation. And it was interesting to see the parts of him, like, the scar that the baby plays with. And just, like, the way that the baby's clothes are clearly made out of other people's clothes. And the doll, he has to stitch up with, like, sutures and stuff. And it's like, all right, so this is weird. Like, I'm curious where this child that clearly no one was expecting came from and what the story is there and i was so curious to see where that would go and it went to the like least interesting most uncreative most misanthropic place it could and it just never it never recovered in in my mind from that like the 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 story that i wanted to follow was like how long are they going to be on the spaceship like what's he going to do when she starts getting older? Like, how is all this going to work out? And it doesn't really focus on that. And instead we have to go back in time to kind of fill in the blanks with like this really unpleasant story about these really unpleasant people that, that kind of feigns at a lot of stuff, but doesn't seem to my eyes to say anything new or interesting. And while there are some, things that happen and that we see that I like laud the movie for its uh, willingness to go there (laughs) yeah (laughs) I just can't I can't get behind it and say like yeah it's a good movie because at the end of the day like it really seemed like it was set up for one very interesting thing and instead it kind of instead of going for a sense of curiosity and grace it just decided to like dirty itself up and go hang out in the mud for like an hour and a half so in general not a fan um i i think that when we talked about ash's purest white i said you know i don't know that i like this movie but i appreciate a lot of what it's doing and i want to see what else the the director has made and maybe give it another shot sometime and this movie i don't know that i will ever give this film another shot but i am slightly curious to see more claire denis because i feel like this movie's walking on a razor's edge of stuff that could appeal to me, and perhaps there are other movies in her over that, like I might actually attach to. If that
1: makes sense. No. Yeah, I, I think that definitely. I think that definitely makes sense. I, I think that, I we can get into it, but the tone that this chooses, as you're saying, like it's. I, it, but it is strange to me that the thing that I do want to just get across before we can talk about specifics is that, like, even the specific kind of strain of misanthropy, misanthropy, it, it's you know, mining is is a little bit more um, textured and odd than than what you necessarily expect. Like, like the when violence happens, it's it's not shot particularly in in a way that, you know, emphasizes the drama. If anything, like it's – over and over I think this stubbornly refuses to engage with some of these tropes in – with the same eye as other people. Now, granted, that doesn't mean that it has necessarily new ideas. But I do think, nonetheless, that this is very much her as her as an image maker, um, and that's what I guess I what I want to get across, just as kind of a final
3: thing. Huh, I guess I find that interesting because, I mean, to me, this movie, what I find interesting about it, insofar as um, I've turned it over in my head and been thinking about it for about two weeks now, is that like. Denise's previous films um, are very sensual, very like experiential, like the the images are very tactile and her montage, the way she cuts, the way she fragments bodies is all very like, it's confounding, but it's also very pleasurable because mm-hmm. it's confounding. Um, whereas in this movie, I don't know that it, I don't know that it ever gets there and it's not it's not really fair of me to want the same thing and in some in some sense i'm interested in where she's going with this because i also felt this sort of lack in let the sunshine in um and i'm not sure if it's just a matter of her working with a different dp on this film um she's not working with agnes goddard anymore no. she's working with yeah um D- regular dp i think but there's something yeah. about the um the images that don't it doesn't come alive in quite the same way. And, and I don't, and in some ways that's appropriate for a film that is about being flung off into space, like untethered from the rest of humanity. Right. Like the, like, I think it's crucial that like on the spaceship, it's all shot in digital. Whereas the earth scenes that we do see in a flashback, we get some 16 millimeter there, which are huh. sure, which reminds you, which are far more textured in, different ways, right, and mm-hmm. remind you of maybe like something like La Truths, which is similarly textured, but yeah.
1: I, I think the other thing to like that just reminds me that the way that exposition is used in this film is is very interesting in relation to the rest of her uh, filmography in the sense that like, you know, when you look at something like Bastards or White Material like the the actual you know, uh, narrative uh, description is, you know, relatively sparse, and she doesn't necessarily care care about like motivations of characters, especially nope. in the case of Bastards. But like in 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 this, it, it seems like it's both an overcompensation and an undercompensation. In the case of you know, you have that. A bizarre sequence with the professor uh, on the train or you have the at times where they seem to just be spouting out exposition about where they are and other times they're just totally guarded about any you know any details about who they are as, as people and i i think that's another thing that feels really off balance um in in this film and is you know, keeps people at an at an arm's length.
0: Yeah, the, the world that this movie creates, and Michael, you brought it up at first with the, the kind of sleek, low-tech quality of everything, and just the way that, w- the things that we learn, I'm, like, curious about how this whole program that they're on works, but what's weird is that, like, I can't tell how much of that curiosity is innate to the story and how much of it is just not thinking through the concept that you've decided to use and hang your narrative on. And once you kind of figure out that it doesn't even matter, (laughs) then it, it kind of annoys me that it's that they bring up certain things and kind of allude to certain things in the first place, because it seems to muddle the narrative um I agree <clears throat> that like the texturing of things on earth especially at least in my theater like the sound design really kind of sold the difference between space and the uh, and the spaceship and the um life on earth just like the the dripping all-encompassing, like extra sounds of a forest, compared against you know the the kind of quiet throng clamminess spaceship, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know. It's just so weird because like, if the movie had been nothing but Robert Pattinson raising a child in space alone, like just him and this baby, and you know aging up through years, if you want, then I think that that would have been so much more interesting than where we go and the answers that we get and the questions that are raised later on and like maybe we could talk about it in spoilers like i don't i don't want to get too bogged down in the why the hell is this a thing that we can sometimes do as as critics and consumers of media but i had a lot of that (laughs) I had a lot of like, why is this a thing that's being brought in? Like what what where does this go? Why would you introduce that madness to us for one scene and then never bring it up again? Sure. Um it, it a little weird. And I don't I don't know. Like I there's a part of me that's like looking at this movie as though it's like an overgrown garden. And I'm just like, you know, like You just like plant three flowers and then just let them grow. Like get rid of the verbena, get rid of all this other stuff, like take down the trellises, uh, just rip out some stuff and like really focus on nurturing the really good ideas that you have because all this other stuff, like it just seems to me in my head, like it really nuts. (laughs) Like I'm not sure what it's doing.
1: I will say the, the most nuts stuff is the stuff that I, Lawrence tell me if you agree with this I feel like she's a lot more interested in the the quote unquote nuts stuff than the idea of just like you know intermittently
3: following Robert Pattinson and a baby <laughs> I, I, I would agree with that to an extent like I think I think I guess when I look at this movie um, I feel like it is very like conceptually um maybe not conceptually, I think it's very thematically rigorous, like I think she has put her interest into this sort of container, this sci-fi container, and then like flung it out into space and and like it like all the pieces fit together for me in terms of theme, but in terms of like the coherence of the world in terms of her presentation in terms of her of these characters and, like, the story, like, I don't feel it. Like, um, and I I would say that, that in this case, I think her interest in Robert Pattinson, I mean, in the nuts stuff, it does overwhelm her interest in um, the Robert Pattinson with the baby stuff. I think she is interested in that, but I think her, like, later on, as you say, like, the beginning did hold me, but as you progress further, um, as the narrative unfolds, you sort of sense that her interest is in like this very extreme almost new French extremity kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. The, the one thing I would say that is, like I don't want to get into a conversation of just, uh, this is Denis, this is not, but like in terms of the rituals of that early part and how it is uh, shot very much in the sense of uh, understanding like routines and, and how that shapes those two characters like that is something i feel like is very much uh a denny thing plus shoulder blades a- any shots of shoulder blades is very much a denny <laughs> thing
0: <laughs>
1: but All i don't right. know maybe we should get into spoilers though exactly so what i guess. was about
0: to suggest because we've i believe that we've come as far as sure. we can talking about themes and overviews and it's time to dive in. Uh, so, spoilers for High Life. Uh, we are mixed on it. It is presently out in theaters now from A24 releasing. Uh, if go- you
1: like riskier things, I would give it a try. That doesn't mean you're going to like it, but it's certainly it's certainly bolder than your your average uh, A24 release.
0: <laughs> there goes Michael getting in his digs at A24. Um
1: going to just released s-
0: Climax, so I can't really talk that much. <laughs> I would say that this is a movie that I would qualify as definitely not for me, but I would... It's almost hard to call it a bad <laughs> film because it feels so purposefully made and it feels like everyone's operating on a very good level, but it's just one that I did not enjoy and did not identify with, so...
2: Yeah, it's a no for me, bro. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think I'd still say no, but like like Michael said, if you're the type of person who doesn't mind taking a risk on something just for the hell of it, like, you know, it's out. You can see it places. It's a fairly wide release for a movie this bonkers. Um, So we're in spoilers now. Let's talk about the fuck box. Yes. Uh, Just because, so no matter how hard I try not to hear about things in movies that I know I'm going to see. Sure. Every once in a while, something slips through, uh, especially for... Cheddar Goblin! I was about to say, the, the Cheddar Goblin is a perfect example of like, I don't want to know anything about Mandy. Somehow I've learned about the Cheddar Goblin. And this movie, I didn't know anything about it. Didn't know there was a baby. Knew that Robert Pattinson was in it. And yet... I somehow knew about the fuck box and I was like how does this keep happening to me and why is it that the thing that I hear about the most from these movies is the thing that's in for like a scene and a half and is never ever referenced again so is the fuck box a a thing in uh, Claire Denise movies
3: not in the way it is here but
1: (laughs) but like (laughs) Like, no, but yes, like, the the type of emotion, or not the emotions, the impulses that are related to the fuckbox are in Claire Denis films. Like, the ways that human beings react when they're put in situations, they're very rarely rational, they're very often based on spur-of-the-moment decisions, like... You know, whether they're, you know, uh, an emasculation a or a or, or a glance that holds just a little bit too long that can lead to an affair. Like, it, it's – those are all – those are all, like, gestures that in some way feel reflective in the same way that the
0: fuckbox is. I can't believe I'm saying this. Um, I just – I just had like a lot of practical <laughs> questions that like, I know that there's no possible way to answer them, but they First still is, exist in my mind.
1: It's also shot differently than any other scene in the entire movie. Like it's,
2: it's yeah, like, it, it gets very um, impressionistic. Well, and yes. uh, it, it, we, she turned, it turns into a beast at some point, And I it. was like, like, I, I was I was okay with it for a little while, and then it turned into a beast, and I was like, yeah, you lost me. I don't...
0: Okay. It, it turns into some sort of a, a white cheetah-looking thing, uh-huh. and its tail rubs her back, and I was like, oh, is this a sphere situation <laughs> where she's manifested something? Is the box the real purpose of this mission why is there so much stuff coming out of it uh-huh well, the floor <laughs> well
1: that is uh, this is this is in fact the character i was talking about in terms of the lost in translation quality but specifically in, in terms of what i was talking about the 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 fable the fairy tale quality like she's she's kind of a, a witch figure she's kind of the archetype yes. you're talking
0: about Julia Pinesh. yes sorry
1: like you know you a greek mythology figure you know kind of a circe type thing like like there is there is a fascinating engagement with almost kink in in not only the fuck box but the fact that you know, Juliette Binoche's character particularly loves Robert Pattinson in because he will not because of his monastic lifestyle, his refusal to yeah. masturbate or to you know to to indulge himself. Use that so like, so that is like that's something that I honestly think would work for me if it was just edited in a more um, dissociative way. Like, it it was something about how real (laughs) the editing was. And tell me if this makes any sense. Real the editing was that makes those scenes so off-putting and gives them, you know, a dissonance that I can never really, you know, find its way back to the movie. Were you talking about the
3: fuckbox scene? or
1: The the fuckbox scene as well as the the uh r- rape of robert pattinson specifically we'll talk about the other rape but the rape of Robert pattinson. rapes he's
0: got two rapes a fuck box
1: but <laughs> but those two things like there, there's something that i potentially find interesting i mean her backstory as small as it is you know uh about the yeah uh, about trying to commit suicide and everything like and after she murdered child. her children yeah, like, there is something m- mythic that it doesn't go far enough. I'm not going to say that. But there, there is fertile ground <laughs> there. Well, it, it's not. Yeah.
3: Hansen does call her, like, a shaman of the sperm or something like that.
1: Yes, that's right. It's true. Um,
3: but don't you think the box scene is, uh, maybe this is not a universally shared opinion, but I, I, it felt to me that it was supposed to be off-putting and, like, abrasive and all those things that you mentioned um i don't in like some the fuck se- box scene honestly <laughs> no no i i mean there's a there's a way to look it but it, it seems intended to almost like i don't think it's supposed to be pleasurable necessarily mm. like you i don't know it looked
0: like there was that she was enjoying it a lot <laughs> oh boy <laughs> but yeah i so I, I i kind of agree like for me the viewer i took no pleasure in watching that. It was a supremely awkward thing to have to watch. Um, I wonder how much of that is just how much hair she has.
2: Yes, a lot.
0: Uh, She's got a long head of hair. Um, Seems almost irresponsible to have that much hair in space. Um, (laughs) I just feel like there would be regs against that. But also, this, this, this whole trip seems to have no... There's no hope that this could work like this. And that's one of the like, that was one of the things that was just in my head the whole time is like, there's no way that any of this is happening on purpose, that this has to be some sort of sociological Milgram experiment that is happening under the guise of being an actual thing. Like, you, you know, like. But they do call it an experiment at some point. They do, and it's but it seems like the experiment is for the black hole and for the the children that they keep trying yes. to make. I don't like and because they're only they they only like do the input like once a day, and it doesn't seem as though they're being monitored. They make a point to say that like you know they can't even get images from Earth after a certain point like it's just like it's not like there's cameras everywhere, and there's a man back on Earth with a clipboard saying like. Yes, yes, you know, these violent personalities, like, they can only go two months before they start to try to rape each other all over the place. You know, we have to adjust our psychological profiles for when we send, like, the real scientists into space.
1: They're also death row inmates. Like, it, it should be said that there is some severity to their crime, so this is supposed to be, you know, a, a purgatorial punishment but as there, well. Like, and,
0: you know, to, to, I guess, to the film's credit, because I was about to say... there are death row inmates who aren't like consistently manic homicidal rapists you know andre benjamin's character um who were only ever told his name is cherny but that's just what the russian people called him when they were training and cherny in russian i believe just means black Mm
2: -hmm. which brings up
0: another question, cause this is an international group and they talk about being trained by Russians. So like, I wonder what the world government looks like, you know, did, <laughs> did the collusion Trump thing finally lead to Vladimir getting his hands on the entirety of the United States? Who can say? Um, but like, couldn't you just find like seven Andre Benjamins instead of like a couple of <laughs> other crazy people?
2: Yeah. Some, some just like, low down just hanging out just working on my garden likes to put his toes in the grass like yeah just a cool ass dude
0: right you, you could keep robert pattinson and andre benjamin kick out me a goth definitely don't bring yeah, julia Bernard along <laughs> get rid of what's his name Lars uh indringer who plays how, how about
2: how about we yeah. just get rid of all shards of glass as well Like, that seems like a good idea.
0: Less glass on the spaceship. I don't know. It's just, so there was, like, a part in my head that just kept thinking, like, clearly having these characters be this damaged helps with the drama and to make, like, a very muddled point about human nature and sex and death drives and all this other stuff. But, like, I don't know that I'm seeing any kind of growth in any of these people. Like, I believe that if you took Robert Pattinson at the beginning of this movie, gave him a baby, he'd act the same way. Because he seems in no way fundamentally
3: changed by the things that happen around him.
2: Absolutely.
3: Yeah, but I think that's I think that's part of what I guess Denis is trying to do. I'm not I, I don't think it works very well in this case, but mm-hmm. I, I get the sense that she's not actually that interested in the like the mechanics of this mission, I suppose. Like she's only interested in it insofar as it's demonstrates like how far humanity has fallen to have reached reach this point that they have to send these death row inmates to harness the energy of a black hole to like power up the earth or something. Um, I don't know. In some sense you brought up someone mentioned climax earlier, but in some sense this reminded me in some ways of climax, you could take like the three quotations of climax and just like put it over these three sections. (laughs) Um, And like the middle section is basically just like a breakdown where everyone dies Except for well, one person here, but yeah.
2: Huh. um, Um, Can we talk about the dogs?
0: (laughs) I are we done talking about the (laughs) fuckbox? Yes. Yes.
2: (laughs) Let's let's move straight to the dogs.
0: I I I before we get on before we get on to the dogs, I do want to say that you know, in transitioning to the dogs, like the movie makes a massive jump from him taking care of a baby to him taking care of a post pubescent or like you know pubescent girl who is the, the, the you know clearly like some amount of time 13 14 years has gone and sure. it it really like kind of bummed me out when it did that because i was like you know you missed you missed all the parts of like raising this child in a spaceship <laughs> and all the interesting conversations you would have to have with this child But then, and this is a petty complaint, but one that I must make, how does she have a foreign accent
2: when he has a weird sort of southern thing going on, and they're the only two people? Maybe she got it from the programs, right? She mentions the programs, and I think she even quotes something from a program, and he's like, where'd you hear that? And she's like, oh yeah, I saw it on a program. She also knows that, like, he killed his best childhood best friend because her his best friend killed a uh, their dog. So that also happened. Maybe maybe
3: true. it was a sister. I can't remember. I think it was a friend. Yeah, yeah okay. I think you're right.
0: I think I think she does a friend. Um. But yeah, so they're hanging out. Uh they got you know the life isn't good. Their clothes are about to fall apart.
2: I feel I feel like maybe that's something that he should mention ahead of time instead of letting her like I mean, I guess she's a rambunctious child and she's going to like f- figure shit out. But uh you know, it it's it's like that classic like when you see like a baby like messing with an iPhone and they get into like, you know, DMs and shit like that and you're like, "How what uh <laughs> how how did you do that and, Bill has and definitely grandma had to
0: snatch his phone away from a child who was scrolling through his photos <laughs>
2: uh, and and grandma's sitting over there just like what the fuck like i can't i still can't use that damn thing and this child who's barely like two has already like managed to figure out thumbprints and like the interactivity of it and everything like that anyways um i guess my
0: child is actually confused by screens that are not touchscreens
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure. Um I can imagine so. She probably gets frustrated with that kind of stuff. She
0: goes like uh, like she'll be watching his T V show and they'll be like, Which button should we press? and she'll run over to the T V and slap it. <laughs> which is a thing i'm trying to break her of but she, she's like yes. frustrated when it doesn't work and it's like well first of all
2: it, it used to be that was okay when they were crt tvs because oh, yeah. you, you couldn't fucking kill those things it would and break now it's their like,
0: hand before they broke yeah. the tv
2: now it's like oh oh no not on my 4k please <laughs> don't do that to my 4k and now i have a dead pixel yeah.
0: Well, what's um, what's weird to me, Bill, you you bring up questions of like um, you know, she she knows about him killing someone over a dog. But like she's lived her entire life in the space station. So like what are her concepts of like morality and mortality and other people and dogs? Like sure she could like watch things, like maybe they have some educational programs. It just seems weird to me because they didn't even have apparently children's clothing on this ship.
2: Uh huh. And and the doctor's mission the whole time is to conceive a child. Right, but they clearly have like no. They have like an incubation chamber. For that. Yeah, it like, seems uh, a little short sighted that maybe like I guess. I guess they thought it was a doomed experiment, but they still gave her like an ICU like a uh, chamber. Yeah. And it's like, uh, just in case and it's like, could you, could you spare some formula and maybe some changes of clothes? Maybe some, some of those cool van sneakers that are really expensive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so then they, uh, they find an, another ship that's uh, a different number and they, you know, look for supplies or people to help. And think, instead it's, it's like- full of dogs
2: they're they're number seven and i think this one is like number nine or something I believe like that, that is
0: correct yes
2: yeah um is is this a sequel to all dogs go to heaven or i'm not sure what's going on here like i well there was I no guess...
0: casino so i don't think so
2: <laughs> um and, and and no cigar smoking dog either um I don't understand what's going on inside of this this spaceship. Did they send it full of dogs? Is that my – that's kind of my supposition <laughs> is that like it's just full of dogs and they're just like, uh, let's see what happens.
0: The dogs appear to have been in cages. We yeah. don't, to the best of my knowledge, see any humans. But my assumption is that like everyone died and that uh-huh. this is a thing that is happening. And so like as this this ship has a kind of overgrown greenhouse – uh-huh. That ship has a a dog problem.
1: Uh, yes, those aren't exactly one to one, but I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're onto something.
0: <laughs> I'm trying. Well, that was my thing. I'm like trying to. I'm trying to figure I, it out. I, I'm trying to see the parallels so I can get whatever the movie's trying to make me get. And all I can see is like, all right, there's some vines that are clearly growing outside of the bounds of the greenhouse, and this is full of dogs. <laughs>
2: It it seems like this is a perfect opportunity to bring another living creature into their kind of atmosphere, their ecosystem. And I don't know why he doesn't bring like the little puppy back.
0: I would assume it's a fear of uh, contagions. That child has grown up in a – fairly sterile environment so she might be like super allergic to a dog so,
2: so this is kind of like the the indian scenario when like all the conquistadors came over and shit like that Yeah,
0: you don't know what the hell's gonna happen like if, the, if that mm. kid doesn't have an immunity to like you know a dog disease that the dog has and, and again we as we said we don't know why those dogs are up there those dogs might have all been infected with measles sure because you know, odds yeah. are that child has never had a vaccination in its life uh-huh
3: too many unknowns
0: yeah way too many unknowns um i'm glad he didn't have to kill a dog that was nice
2: yes i i thought the the barky one was was gonna get it at some point and i was like please don't like you're in a giant spacesuit like he's not gonna be able to mess you up too bad i've already
0: had to see a fuck box and like two (laughs) rapes and many many deaths please don't kill a dog too this is true.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and we, they are—they already killed a dog, so technically they already did that.
0: Well, there was a dead dog, but you know. Anyway, uh, Lawrence, you
3: were about to say something. I was going to say, do we want to talk about the rapes at all? <laughs> Why not? It's <laughs> a weird thing to ask. But... Uh... Should we address? Well, the I guess rapes? we should say where the baby comes from. Is... I think.
0: Yeah. So, like, the first rape is—is is the guy who's definitely from the moment you see him going to rape someone. Yes. and he he goes he's, after me he's got Goth's that character.
2: yeah that he's he's got that uh visage i would say
0: just the way he smiles when he takes his pills i mean he's it's and like does his little swaggery thing it's like this guy's clearly a future rapist in a movie
1: um he also approaches the fuck box and in, in inappropriate or like in an
0: uncomfortable way to <laughs>
1: just bad vibes from that guy this
0: box is supposed to fuck us but i'll tell you what i'm gonna fuck this box Uh, i was curious how it worked for men yeah i didn't wonder about that like you know because clearly like penetrative sex is a thing that men can be into and there's nothing wrong with that but like are they just like this box is one size fits all so if you don't want that (laughs) You just got to jerk off, I guess.
2: Maybe that's why Pattinson is uh celibate. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but then,
0: yes, Lawrence, you, we, we could talk about the the second rape uh, that well, uh, brings the child forth.
3: Yeah, well, there's a second one where basically Dr. Dibbs, who is Juliette Binoche's character, basically has control over the, the water systems. And so she drugs everyone to knock them out. And because she's been infatuated with Pattinson for a while, she goes to him steals his sperm um cradles it in her hands brings it back to her lab and then puts it and then later puts it into like a turkey baster thing and then puts it into Mia god's character is how the baby comes to be but um yeah you nailed it (laughs) (laughs) and
0: so i'm curious i'm curious what not from a, a technical, like, mechanical perspective, but what is this movie saying through that? Because we have Monty, Robert Pattinson's character, who he has been called, like, a monk and doesn't use the fuck box and doesn't masturbate into a cup to get some sort of drug for him to, like, you know, get high on like everyone else does. And then we have Mia Goth's character who is violently protective of... um I think it's Electra who is pregnant when we first see the flashbacks. Yeah. And also um at one point screams that it's like our willpower is killing the babies, not the radiation or something like that. That sounds about right. And then and but they are the the pair though not through any actual like coupling that brings about the uh the the space baby.
3: Well, I guess like from my perspective um like dr dibbs has this whole mission to bring life i mean to create a baby right um Mm -hmm. by whatever means necessary and i don't know in some sense robert pattinson's refusal to take part of that is is him being like why would i want to bring a child into this awful awful situation it's almost like a it's like i would i would rather spare this child of that um but when that is forcibly, that choice is forcibly taken away from him. What does he do? He still nurtures the baby, and I mean, it it sort of speaks to what to his character, I suppose. Um, in terms of what that says about like humanity at large, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not in, entirely sure, but um, that's sort of where I went with that. Yeah, I, th-
1: I think it's interesting too that there's almost a. <laughs> this is going to sound strange to say about a human being, but almost a, a dual utility to the child. Like after it is born, like it, it's almost like you, Pattinson is, you know, paternal, but he, it's also like he passes the time <laughs> with the child. Like it, it's like I'm in space. I'm going to have to do something to pass the time. I might as well raise this child. Like there's something very. Uh, what does she uh,
2: again, think of just, the fuck box?
1: I, we never. I don't Clearly think we ever I don't see her
0: walk by it. it. <laughs> I was curious if the movie was going to go there because we do see
3: her having a period. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like yeah, after the time jump, you do see her get like stained the sheets right away, and I guess this is where we could bring in bastards. Um, I mean, not to spoil anything, but incest is like a major part of that movie and so when you're watching this when i was watching this at least it was hard to not think of it really with,
2: with with the title named bastards and incest <laughs> is part of that interesting
3: i, I was a little worried yeah
2: yeah <laughs> no, I, I i but i do think going back to
1: Uh, Brian, you mentioned this earlier. Uh, Like, I I do think there is something, although mechanically there are huge gaps in. Uh, you know, how this young woman knows things and, you know, wanting the dog and things like that. I do think that their interactions and their body language towards each other is pretty interesting. I mean, even speaking of the the the, peri- the period, it's not a reveal, but w- when we see that she has her period, that's shortly after she gets into bed with him and he's like, no this is no longer okay like and so just that the taboos that it spoke about or that the film mentioned earlier are like coming into play in very practical ways well clearly like that they have
0: to have like some sort of codependent relationship because again he is sure. the only other human being that she knows um yep. he was monk like so maybe he's keeping that up but also like and this, this is just, as a person who's raised a child, there was a point when it was like brought to me. And I was like, so are you going to co-sleep ever? And I was like, fuck no. Because, and this is going to sound super cruel, but if you let your child sleep in your bed with you, they're going to want to be there forever. So, <laughs> you know, like the first couple months, she gets to sleep in a bassinet in the corner of the room. And then once everything was good and she settled down and started sleeping through the night, Guess who's getting her own room? Mm. So this movie is a lesson. Never co-sleep. Robert Pattinson made a wrong choice as a father. Who would have thought <laughs> in a movie where he plays someone who murders someone for a dog that that would be the case?
1: Is co-sleep really a term? Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's people like a parenting it, term? And um, I don't get it. And... It's one of many things that people claim they do as a part of like raising and bonding with a child that I don't get.
1: You and Claire Denis have something in common then, obviously. Clearly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if we ever, if I ever got a chance to interview her, I'd be like, so high life. You don't like co Co-sleep sleeping, do you? And she'd be like, oh, <laughs> co sleeping. That's like right up there with like never give your child formula before a year as just stupid shit that people say to make <laughs> themselves feel better.
2: Oh boy. Anyway,
0: um I have thoughts on parenting. Look for my book, Raising Your Child the Irish Catholic Way with Brian J. Rowan. Inspired by the leftovers. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Wow. Oh, <laughs> That's true. That's H-
2: what my soon.
0: Um so we've you know we've we've talked about a lot of parts of this movie. Um I'm curious. What we make of the actual ending, like the ending, ending.
2: Well, I mean, I guess the first thing we have to talk about is the other girl definitely went splat, Mia Goth, right? It's called Spaghettiification, according yes. to uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> yes, uh, also according to Interstellar. I learned a lot from that movie as well. Um it doesn't happen to
0: McConaughey, though.
2: It doesn't. But it does happen clean. to s- somebody else, doesn't it? I think. No, Matt Damon just
0: explodes because he fucks up the airlock.
2: Spoilers for Interstellar? (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ. Matt Damon's in that movie. Oops. Wait, Um, does someone somberly say spaghettification
1: at some point in that script? Because Interstellar, I I might have to bump it up a half star or something. (laughs) Right after they
0: talk about love being a a measurable and meaningful energy in the universe, Matthew McConaughey says, well, I don't know much about much, but spaghettification. That's not a good way to
2: go, and we're not talking about meatballs.
0: All right, all right, all right. No, okay. so oh, so legitimately, like they they climb it. They apparently have found another black hole, and
1: now and,
2: and, and, have, and now they have like what what my thing is is they seem so dramatic about the first time that Mia Goth like ends up uh, killing herself by going into the black hole that they're like oh no oh no, it's, it's blank. Right. Or whatever her name is. And they seem like super down and out about it. And I'm like, wait, so y'all still had another ship? (laughs) Like they seem sad about a, that she was probably going to kill herself. Yes. But also like their grand experiment, the whole purpose of them being up there was kind of ruined by her taking off in her own ship. Well, yeah, they they have, because they yeah. were pissed
0: because there was a person there who was supposed to be a, the actual pilot. Yeah, the pilot. And she bludgeoned her to death mm-hmm. and then took the ship. And so I think that she was at once not trained on how she was supposed to enter the black hole. The hole. And also yeah. I think that the, the – they make the Willow, the, the child now grown into a young woman, says um, – this one has a different density or like a lower density mm-hmm. or a higher density i cannot remember the specifics well, there is a change I, I in think- the density between the first black hole and this black hole which looks staggeringly like the picture of the black hole that was uh, published sure. by nasa not long ago yeah so uh good on this movie and gravity for like looking at the the facts and you know coming up with a conceptual model that played out pretty well um and then they go into it, and then we see them standing after a light show, and he, the weirdest part was that I thought that he called her Shelly. <laughs> like, I I was like, who the fuck is Shelly? And then I see Willow standing there, I'm like, I must have just heard that wrong. Like, did anyone else hear him call her a different name completely?
1: I don't think so. I can't say okay, I did. Okay, great. So,
2: because <laughs> I was like- My subtitles weren't on yeah that's when this movie
0: eventually comes to some sort of streaming or something i will probably legitimately watch it with subtitles there's a lot of mumbling in this movie in general oh yes and there's accents um you know that they're sometimes hard to get around andre benjamin has a very weird line where he calls robert pattinson's character like mr blue balls but he doesn't use the term yeah. balls he says like testicles <laughs> And that, to me, was the part where I was like, "Google Translate clearly did not capture the full spirit of what you were trying to say." That—that that was all, Andre.
1: Come on, just—just <laughs> <laughs> just listen to that. How melodic that sounds. Blue
0: testicles. <laughs> uh, they're blue. Da dee da Oh boy,
2: <laughs> that's the what it's we all call, the call coming
0: back. Yep, yep, yep. So. Lawrence, I'm curious, you know, did you did you take anything away from this ending? Did you feel
3: that it was trying to say anything in particular? Um, well, by the time you get to the, the, the sort of time jump with Willow, it sort of feels like it's heading there. At least it felt so to me because, I mean, in my head, it's like, okay, either they find some awful way to continue living in this or they just commit suicide and go splat. But in some ways, there's um it feels like at once it's a suicide mission but it also feels like a kind of leap of faith almost like this will be different somehow and maybe and I think part of that is us not knowing what Willow is thinking necessarily or what or how she's grown up like you could almost imagine the sort of like dog tooth like scenario where oh, God, Pattinson, yeah. <laughs> or Pattinson has just fed her a bunch of things and she doesn't really know what's what's really out there but honey i know you wanted a dog if we go into that black hole it's made of dogs (laughs) but yeah there's a sense that there's a sense of i guess inevitability to it and part of me wondered whether it was going to go like all mission to mars kind of thing and go to some like metaphysical end and i guess in some ways it kind of does that when it did by just opening up into into white and into light i guess um sort of ambiguous where that ends up Um, I like the ambiguity of that ending. I'm not necessarily sure I know what to do with
0: that. So that's, that's kind of my problem is that like, I'm all about an ambiguous ending, but I don't know. This is a a lame example, but one that many people will understand. Uh, The ending of Inception. I liked the ambiguity there because you don't know if he is in reality or a dream. And yet that is not the point. The point is that he himself doesn't care And is willing to, like, go and embrace his children. So, like, that's ambiguity, but that still hammers home a narrative and thematic point. And the ambiguity serves the goal of getting that point across. I don't know that I am fully aware of what
3: this movie is trying to say with its ambiguity in this moment. I mean, you could say... Sorry. No, Lawrence, please go ahead. I mean, you could say something similar about this ending in that Pattinson... No longer cares whether he lives or dies, as long as he doesn't have to. It's almost like a. It's almost like he's again sparing Willow, having to continue living in this world by just taking her down there, Um, and almost sure like she goes there voluntarily. Like he he never forces her, and Mm -hmm. in some ways, idea yeah. So in some ways, you could think of it as merciful that he agrees. And that he no longer cares what happens to him as long as they're somehow, I don't know. So here,
0: as you have said that, I now am curious about this and would like to put it forward to see if anyone wants to pick it up and run with it. Do you think that the reason that we are shown him pushing her out of bed and shown her period is that the movie is trying to say that like they have to do this now because she's becoming a woman and things are going to get worse for her up there
3: in that situation. Um, I mean, in in some ways it's like, where else is this story going to go? Exactly. Like either they both live their lives out, um, in this sort of perpetual, just like withholding from each other because, or they just both killed themselves. Uh, I I mean, like not to bring in like, I don't know, philosophy or whatever, but like them going every day to the stations and logging in and extending their life by another 24 hours. It's very much like myth of Sisyphus kind of things where, you know, roll the boulder up every every day. And I guess once it hits her period and she becomes a woman, it's like, there's, there's no stopping what's coming in some ways. Like she's going to have, like they're both going to – I don't know. I guess like it's – It's uncomfortable lo- to talk about.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a – so so in the Bible, there's like the, uh, the whole thing with Lot leaving Sodom and Gomorrah and his wife turns into a pillar of salt and Sodom and Gomorrah sure. is destroyed. And his mm-hmm. daughters think that they're the only people left on earth so they get him drunk and sleep with him.
1: That's right. And yeah. that's...
0: So this movie almost comes off in this last moment. Just like, you know, pulling it into my sleep-deprived, exhausted mind right now. The things that we've talked about. Like, what if a guy knew that that might be in the cards and just decided, why don't we fly into a black hole and see what happens?
3: Because that's a better option. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad way to look at it at all. Like, like that sort of aligns with how I see the ending, I suppose. I...
0: Okay, I like that idea as much as one can like that idea, um, because that is a dark thing to wrestle with. What, what turns me off from it is the idea that like we haven't seen them growing older together enough. I well, that's, guess, like I that's feel like my you
1: need... yeah, you need please continue.
0: Oh, you just need to build that up more. Like you, like we go from seeing him like holding her and singing to her and like feeding her strained peas or whatever to her, like being 13 or 14 years old in bed with him. And like, like we've already brought up, there's some gaps there as to what kind of life they've been living and like what her level of like curiosity and understanding is of things. So like, if it is him trying to like spare her the corruption that everyone else who was on that ship went through eventually though again they were violent criminals or like former junkies and he presumably not having to live in a society that might force someone towards those ends was able to raise her better but if he is driving them into a black hole to try to like save her innocence in the void of space like i feel like we need to see more of them together
1: i I don't know if i like this this saving her innocence idea. I literally adds, can't anyway. think of
0: another way to say keep her from trying to sleep with him.
1: No, no I know. I, well, I I think what I wanted to say, which is related to what we're talking about, but taking it out of specific context, is that my problem with that ending is that it's almost too cleanly ambiguous. So if you want to talk about the Inception example, like, I, I don't particularly like Inception, but I will say that that ending is very much... Uh, It's directly answering a question that has been brought up throughout the film. And I don't know what question or questions are being put forth at the end of this film. So that's obviously related to what you're saying. But like when you think about the structure of this film, it it starts to feel even more uh, pathetic and and more – like uh, abortive in where it's actually going like and especially when you consider how much time you're spending with these characters who we know die within the first couple minutes which is
0: you know that's that's technically fine that you want to reveal that early on what's weird to me is did did we all know that they were dead when he pushed them outside
3: i mean i thought so because they seemed like they were in like a freezer kind of place
0: i just thought that was crying
3: asleep (laughs)
0: I thought he I thought that there was like a one on. Okay, so again, I I went into this movie knowing nothing. And so I sure. see a single man on this spaceship taking care of business and raising a child.
2: So so it's passengers.
0: Sort of, but like on purpose. So what I thought was that sure. like, you know, they were they were saying like we can't just like have a guy live an entire lifetime taking care of this thing alone. But what we can do is do like a leapfrog scenario where it's like two years on 10 years off. Right. So you have like six or so Ooh. crew members. One guy is alone for two years, takes care of everything. He gets to go to sleep. The next person wakes up and that way you're kind of leapfrogging through time and that'll help you to keep the, uh, the thing on the, the light sounds going.
2: like a, like a Isaac Asimov kind of shit
0: right right and so then i see him go into that freezer and i think oh god he's going to sleep with one of the unconscious women Mm -hmm. because he's lonely um and hey maybe that's how this whole baby situation happened is that he slept with one of the girls who was in a cryo sleep she got pregnant he kept her under but like you know delivered the baby and now he's like those people wake up and see a fucking baby here they're gonna know what I did, and so I'm keeping them in cryo sleep. But then, as things get worse because he's making more mistakes, like dropping the uh, the wrench, he's like, mm-hmm. "I'm just gonna make things a lot easier by uh, diverting power from the cryo place and you know putting it towards life support." And that's why I'm pushing them all out.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, there's the possibility that all of this movie is basically his made up reason for killing everybody. I don't know that that's true
0: but that's definitely where my head was when i saw him doing that i was like he gets to save power from the cryo place but also uh gets to I've, cover up his horrible horrible crime
2: i guess i've i've seen cryo sleep too much to know that they had like blue lips and i was like uh yeah they're dead so <laughs> that
0: was that was my I don't know. But I am glad that the movie didn't go that way because now I get to write that as a sequel to Passengers.
2: <laughs>
0: Passenger. So I was just I, curious if everyone else is like, oh, yeah, those people were totally dead. So
1: we've just projected an entirely different scenario on this. On I'm just the saying how to
0: the film that we have. <laughs> I'm just saying how my brain operated when I had no idea what was going on. Mm. Um, okay. And I'm not sure why I did it. <laughs> I feel like I was building up to a point but i can't be sure. um just talking about again the uh the way the film is paced and and constructed i think it does it takes a lot of way to show that he was a pretty decent guy even when all this shit was going on and that um you know now he's doing this for whatever reason i almost feel like it would be more compelling if you had like a full, you know, fourteen-year span that you're spending with him and uh, and Willow, and you kind of keep getting flashbacks that show him starting off as maybe more of a of a, a Chandra, you know, creepy dude, and like working his way up to like how he is now. You know, but maybe that's just me like projecting the whole like fatherhood changes you thing on it when really this movie seems to be saying like the good people will continue to do good if there's no shitty people around to be assholes.
1: I just super think Claire Denis does not
0: care about that
1: aspect. And I'm realizing the more we talk about it that like. Maybe Claire Denis isn't for Brian.
0: <laughs> well, that's kind of so. Like she, she maybe she's not into that aspect. But then I'm curious, just like what is the point of this movie then, and what aspect am I supposed to hold on to? So well, I think
2: just recently watching Game of Thrones, it brings back uh, the Tyrion speech about the Beatles and like why why does his cousin crush Beatles? <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Maybe Claire Denis just enjoys crushing Beatles. We Maybe are not, not comparing s- these two, are
0: we? No, no, he was just using the uh, the story as a means of creating an analogy that people might understand. Um, Lawrence, right. what
3: were you going to say? Well, I think in some ways this movie is just, it's about the, well, you said it's about like good people will go on being good people, et cetera, et cetera. But it's almost about just like how, like cut off from everything else, like humanity just can't survive. Like no matter how good you are, it's things are bound to like, collapse eventually and like we never see Robert Pattinson doing that but you almost get an inkling that eventually like it's a very pessimistic like thought and I guess it's yeah. maybe cheating for the movie to not show us that but mm-hmm. like that almost seemed, like I think that is what it's going for in that you see this collective breakdown and you see that with him and Willow at the end with just the two of them There's no way it can go down any other way than Mm. some sort of breakdown. Um, And so he spares both of them. That is the only way I can really make sense of this movie. And I don't know that it necessarily makes the experience any richer, but, um, I do think it's conceptually an interesting way to go. It is,
0: but again, I just, I just, I have trouble like squaring that with what this movie is and, and being able to pull as rich of a, an experience from this movie as I feel like I would get from that, from what you just said. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny though, because like the, the IMDb byline for this is like a father and his daughter struggle to survive in deep space where they live in isolation. And like, (laughs) that's really not what the movie's about at the end of the day like it's no it just spends so much time with these fucking convicts and this you know Bruha that is s- stealing their seed and trying to create a radiation proof child oh christ yeah. i just thought of like a stupid reddit theory type of thing where it's like no. hey maybe the fact that she survived <laughs> means that she was actually like immune to it and that's why she was able to survive through the black hole but again, I don't Ooh. think the movie is interested in that level of no, like, mechanical nothing. complex stuff. <laughs> Sometimes it's it's thoughts like that and the knowledge that there would be like, you know, a cracked article that would cite that. That would me very happy that like movies like this don't become more popular.
2: <laughs> uh, um, you just, you just want to push it into a black hole, don't you, Brian?
0: I want to put it in a fuckbox. is what I want to do. Uh, Jesus oh, Christ. My. Um. Uh, Let's, Any, let's wrap what other this final up. thoughts do we have on this movie uh, is there anything Lawrence in particular that you wanted to touch
3: on that you feel is that we have not Um, nothing in particular like all I will say is that I guess I I don't I guess in some way this movie is very like very mannered in the way it goes about things and it's very like monomaniacal in the way it goes after this like this end point like and I'm not sure that I necessarily like that, but that's it it wouldn't be inaccurate to say that's how some of her other movies like have operated but whereas in those movies, I get more tactile like in the moment pleasure I just it didn't quite get there for me, and I'm still sort of working through why that is, but absent of that, it just feels like very like lugubrious very like single minded in the way it goes after it's like pessimistic, abrasive like trajectory. And yeah, I mean, I I think Claire Denis is a major filmmaker. And I think based on what other people have said, um, I mean, I would still encourage people to see it and just to experience it, because I do think it's a major film in that it pushes her aesthetic as far as it can go. Although I do think we're seeing like the limits of that. I think her previous films, make a better case for her interest than this one but yeah as a like an auteur test case for how far she can go with her aesthetic i think it's an interesting one to see i think it's fascinating too that when you think about her last three films
1: it's this let the sunshine in which is a romantic comedy and bastards which is kind of a noir like that's a that's a lot of ground to cover in three films and in you know less than
3: 10 years <laughs> although when you think about let the sunshine in and where how that ends up well in let the sunshine in so it's, it's a romantic comedy starling juliette binoche as who is also here and in that movie sure. she basically goes around um sleeping with men trying to find love in all these places and yeah. where the movie ends up is at a place that you could say it's hopeful but in some sense like the exhortation at the end of that movie is be open And in some ways you could say that about this movie as well, um, at the ending of this movie and how it opens up into that white canvas. Um, but it doesn't feel, but even in that movie, you don't really feel it as completely hopeful and it's sort of that hope mixed with pessimism and like just the unknown. And I think that's sort of what you get here. Um, yeah, don't know where I was going with that.
1: No, no. Yeah, that's a that's a totally fair point that there's some similarities there in in terms of the ending. But I would say the the one the one other wrinkle that I think those other films have is you know they have a little bit of uh, a dark humor and a, you know that they at least like I don't want to reveal what happens at the end of Let the Sunshine In, but it, it it's kind of poking fun at what the character is being told as well. Like it's it's not wholly serious, even as it does believe in its own message, and and yeah. I, I can't help but wish that there was that same level of nuance here. And I just I, I don't think there is.
0: All right. Oh. Well, those are our thoughts on High Life. Uh, Which, again, is out in theaters and a surprisingly wide release now. So if you are interested and uh, have somehow listened to the end of this episode without having seen it but still want to, get out there. Do it. That is all for today. Uh, Once again, we are brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema, where you can watch two of Claire Denis' other films, Bastards and White Material, as well as check out their unusual subjects. uh,
2: So white,
1: White Material was probably another name for this one, right?
2: oh boy god damn it michael <laughs> <laughs> oh no so many ladies so gentlemen many at home animals. if you
0: need a second to think about why that could be here's some hold music do 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 do, uh, do 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 anyway thanks for coming back um was, it, was, I was in the really, chamber I'm, for a while
2: i'm uh, oh, oh no oh,
0: you didn't uh. want to blow his load early bill uh.
2: How have I'll we gotten through this
0: in. entire that would have been episode premature. with, with ah. so few cum jokes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Are you just rattling off a list right now?
0: <laughs> I,
1: I, I got this whole Word document. I don't want to let it go to waste.
2: Um, you know they say if you don't use it, you lose it. <laughs>
0: good, good God. Um <laughs> I'm uh, so upset right now. Uh, what was going to say? Patreon.com slash the Film Stage Show. Give us your money. Yeah. We deserve it. for More
2: more insightful conversations like that.
0: <laughs> Movie.com slash Film Stage <laughs> for a free 30-day trial. Um, our next couple episodes are going to be very different. Uh, one is going to be Avengers Endgame. Another will be Her Smell, the newest film. Writer-director Alex <laughs> Ross-Perry. Um, we got some classic episodes that we're working on, so get ready for those. And uh, that's all and one other right special now. episode. What the fuck is the special episode? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, we're recording
0: know. it next week, so I hope you guys remember it. <laughs> is this real? Are you fucking with me right now? No, we're doing a special Oh, episode. right, 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 right. No, yes, yes, yes. We thing. do have a special da, 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 episode. <laughs> Wow. It is 10.40 on a Wednesday night. Right, all right. I chopped down three trees today.
1: <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? I Hi, am
0: exhausted. Johnny Appleseed. Bill is sick. Um. Anyway, Lawrence, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here to talk about High Life. Would you like to tell the fine people at home where they can find your work online? Oh, um...
3: Movie, mainly, and CinemaScope. Yeah, pretty much it.
2: Excellent. Bill Graham. Uh, You can find me furiously tweeting at A24 that someone released this film on a wide release and did not release Under the Silver Lake instead. How? How? Have you watched that yet? No. I'm kind of fearful. I, I feel like this is the black hole situation where... I, I think at at some point, I'm just going to launch right into it Hopefully and you do not uh, hope for the best. Yes. Yes. I, I have, don't want to be spaghetti.
0: On Twitter, <laughs> I have seen critics who I like and respect say very positive things about that movie. So
1: I am Fuck yes.
2: deeply right, curious. Right, cool.
1: the, the best review I've seen is, uh, I have not seen it yet, and this is a negative review, but it was, uh, it's like if Inherent Vice drew a dick drawing.
0: Or, or no, if <laughs> inherent vice was written by a uh dick drawing. Interesting. I've seen it called like a takedown of Reddit Culture and like I don't know. It's it looks interesting. Um anyway, under the Silver Lake on iTunes I, now. Maybe if yeah, we all watch it. Can watch it. <laughs> maybe if we all watch it and have opinions, we'll do a special episode on it. Maybe. Anyway, Michael Snydell.
1: Uh you can find me on Twitter at at Snydell and um By the time this goes up i'm actually on another podcast i was on the consequence of sound filmographies about uh tim burton who we uh just had such esteemed opinions about uh on our recent (laughs) missing link episode uh so I, i i talked about uh his stop motion era and that was a really good time so uh listen to that even if you don't like tim burton
2: so I, I got a chance to interview him kind of as a in like a group setting and uh I asked him what his, why his black and white aesthetic is something that seems to draw him and uh he just kind of like hand waved it. He was like, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think uh I have a black and white aesthetic. I was like, Oh, oh boy. no Oh boy
0: <laughs> I was gonna make a joke about him saying what black and white aesthetic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Seem to disregard that all altogether. The most uh, depressing thing was,
0: I've ever heard.
2: Yeah, maybe that was uh, something to do with the fact that that was for Frankie Weenie. Um, but I don't
1: know. I- I've uh, talked about that one. That was one of them. Awesome.
0: About. Yeah. Um, I could be I found online movie. Twitter at Brian J. Rowan, my personal site com. Uh, writings and all of these podcast episodes are available at thefilmstage.com and uh, again next you hear from us we'll be talking about Endgame shortly followed by Her Smell and a special episode that we're not willing to say out loud yet and uh, who knows maybe we'll talk about it on silver Lake but anyway ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for joining us and tune in next time always love a chance to put two muse songs on the podcast
2: (laughs) you you didn't even let it say supermassive black hole